You're listening to Life Church Podcast with Pastor Bill Carpenter. I am going to continue our series on work today. I'm actually going to sort of close it up today a bit. I'm going to talk to you next week. It's still about work, but I'm going to talk to you about Sabbath. All right, that's an important part of the series of work and being diligent and being faithful and all of that. So we're going to talk about Sabbath, and we're going to have commissioning time next week where we're going to ask you to really commit your work and what you do diligently uh, to God and for the work of the kingdom. So that'll be an important, important uh, uh, service for us, okay? Uh, but today I want to talk about being faithful uh, and being a good steward of what uh, what God has given to us and entrusted us to do. And we're going to look at Joseph and the progression of his life to do that. But before I do that, I would like to bring a few people up and have them share with you uh, what they do. All right, so would you, who I have asked to, invited and asked to come up and coerced and twisted your arms, would you please all come up? Now, keep in mind, I love all of you. You are all just wonderful. When people ask me, which one of my children do I love the most, I say, the one I'm with. Because if they ask me, I'm going to say, I love you, all right? And, I, and it's true. I love them all the same, all right? I love all of you the same, but I really love these guys, okay? They are favorites of mine, all right? I love college students. I love young adults. And, and, and I, I love them for two reasons, just because they're lovable, uh, but also because I just see the important season of life they're in. And the tremendous importance of pouring into their lives and, uh, and helping them to be equipped to do what God is calling them to do. And I feel like that they, they work hard in the place that they're in, even though they may not necessarily have the kind of jobs that you have at this juncture in their life. So I've asked these four college students if they would identify themselves to you by introducing themselves and then talk just a moment about their major and their plans. Um, and then I'm going to ask them a question after that. So we'll just start here and go down the line. Sorry, we might not have got you in the, um, in the podcast. Hi, um, my name is Jeannie Oberkirsch. I go to the University of Sioux Falls, and um, my major is kind of undecided right now. Um, I'm also from the University of Sioux Falls. Um, my name is Elizabeth Sanchez, and I am Theology Youth Ministry, which is one, and Media Studies. Again, I'm also from the University of Sioux Falls. Um, and my major is uh, youth ministry. I mean, not youth ministry. I'm sorry, music ministry. <laughs> and yeah. All right. Oh, Aaron. My name is Aaron. Uh, play test. <laughs> All right. Hold. You just hold the microphone sure. right there because you get to go back right away. Okay. So this is not USF Day uh, at Life Church. They just all happen to be from that particular school. But we have people who are students at STI and at Augie. Uh, we uh, we like we love the idea. Like the idea of people coming from all different uh, areas of education to, to be a part of this church. Uh, but they are. They're all from uh, the University of Sioux Falls, and that's really sweet. Erin, um, you can start. All of you are going to have the same question, okay? Um, would you just tell me briefly how you see what you're doing as work and, and how 
do you see that being so important for the future down the road and, and where God is in that? Um, geez, uh, well, I have a couple of positions at Sioux Falls. Um, I'm an RA, I'm a resident assistant, and I'm also in the baseball team. Um, so there's just this um, big opportunity um, off the field and on the field. Um, you just, I don't know, it's just a, a big opportunity to talk to these people because some uh, athletes, they come from everywhere around, you know, California. I'm from Los Angeles, so um, you just get people from San Diego, Colorado, um, different areas. So um, it's, it, I'm in a position where I am really <laughs> being looked at and, you know, it's, it's, where I'm at, like the work that's being involved in there, it's kind of like an everyday type of thing. Um, because some days, you know, you do get those good days where, you know, some people would open up, whether it's a resident or a person out on the field, you know, they, something wrong is happening in their life and, you know, you just have to, well, Christ's love comes out <laughs> then. Um, so I just would say that it's every, oppor- there's always an opportunity, no matter what, um, whether I'm an RA or I'm on the field or hanging out with the guys, um, there's always doors that are open and opportunities to, for them to be spoken to. So. Do you value this season of your life as a learning season? Oh, definitely, yeah. yes. I mean, they all, um, there's been so many questions uh, throughout, like, this semester that have been opening. Like, I've understood them a little bit better um, because as an RA, you're – kind of you have this title and you're supposed to do this you're supposed to be that um and then like as a player you're supposed to do all these things keep up with this so it's just a balance and so like it's very valuable (laughs) all in general so how do we pray for you balance that'd be the biggest one just balance okay wonderful all right you can pray are you going to repeat the question or no, Should I just call. speak? You're okay. all intelligent call. <laughs> <laughs> uh, last week we talked about how to be a witness at work, and I think that uh, really fits together with being a student as well. So uh, being a student at uh, a college is an opportunity to be a, wit- a witness as well. And that's that's kind of where I want to be at. I'm not I'm not involved as much as Aaron, you know, but I think uh, just building relationships with people there, uh, reflecting who Christ is, and um, working hard with what I am blessed with, an education, and so I think yeah, that's kind of. Um, speak for just a moment on how you see your preparation here being used by God like down years down the road as you go into a mm-hmm. career I'm putting these guys totally <laughs> on the spot here this morning that's fine so, uh, yeah. I think again like I said building relationships with people mm-hmm. and I think I've learned how to value who people are and kind of get to know each and every individual that I've met and I don't know I'm taking a lot of great theology classes and, like, I really, really like them, and they've helped me so much to kind of, like, take a deeper look at the Bible and kind of, you know, see how that can help me in the future and, like, retaining all this information. Mm. So. How do we pray for you? Uh, 
toughy. Probably to just um, be patient because sometimes I wish I knew what God's plan was for me right away. And I kind of have to learn to uh, trust him that he'll show me the way. Be patient. So, yeah. Wonderful. Well, I guess for myself, I'm just trying to, like, take the opportunities I've been giving with education and really make sure that I apply myself and work hard and definitely be the best I can at it. And I view this time as a big learning experience for me, like um, letting, not always planning everything like I love to do and just maybe taking a step back and seeing what God wants for my life instead of deciding before even asking. Um, uh, And as a freshman, I, I think it's really neat to all the experiences that you experience right away and just to make sure that you do have a balance in your life that you make sure you remember to focus on God. Um, definitely just, um, trying to probably decide my major would be a good one. (laughs) Okay. Um, the question was about how I, okay, I got it. Um, so I would say, um, God is definitely, um, just showing me how to uh, live trusting him in um, everything. Because I've always been like, you know, oh, I can do this myself. You know, I can take care of this. It's easy. You know. And then when things are tough, it's like, oh, hey, can you help me out? <laughs> I need some help now. Um, so it's definitely been um, open to me like this past month or so that uh, – he wants to be there in everything. Like, what I think I can handle, he wants to be um, the one I rely on for that because that kind of shows me that maybe how I would do something um, or take care of it isn't how he would have me do it. Um, He's definitely um, blessed me with these wonderful people and the others at USF that uh, have just given me a community to um, trust him more in, uh, so work. Um, I think I think I'm just um, being put in a place where I'm be giving, being given uh, endless opportunities to uh, to find his calling for me and to serve him in just the little ways and the big, uh, which is really really sweet. Just uh, that I continue to trust God with everything. All right. Wonderful. Thank you. Hard-working college students who have visions and dreams and ambitions to do great things for God. And... Uh, They are a composite of a bigger picture of students who a a number of them are on campuses in this city, uh, and there are a number that are right here in this church, and uh, we just continue to try to reach out to them and develop this this ministry to college students and young adults. But 
Um, hopefully you've got a little composite of how to pray for a college student here. You know, and, and you, know, you can know how to be praying for all of our students, not just these four, but all of our students uh, as we are uh, going forward and seeing them grow and develop, okay? Uh, thank you guys, I appreciate that. Uh, I want to take you, we're, we're going to talk a little bit about Joseph again today, but I want to take you, I want to just speed over into the New Testament and to look at a parable there. Uh, and I want to just piggyback off that this morning for what I'm going to talk to you about in the sense of being, being faithful uh, even in the little things and in the beginning things and in the small things, okay? Uh, so let's look at Luke chapter 19 beginning at verse 11. This is the parable of the ten minas. And uh, let's just uh, go through this and uh, then we'll break it down uh, a little bit in the life of Joseph. As they heard these things, meaning these things that Jesus was saying, he proceeded to tell a parable because he was near to Jerusalem and because they supposed that the kingdom of God was to appear immediately. He said, therefore, a nobleman went into a far country to receive for himself a kingdom and then return. Calling ten of his servants, he gave them ten minas. And he said to them, engage in business until I come. But his citizens hated him and sent a delegation after him, saying, We do not want this man to reign over us. When he returned, having received the kingdom, he ordered these servants to whom he had given the money to be called to him, that he might know what they had gained by doing business. The first came before him, saying, Lord, your mina has made ten minas more. And he said to him, Well done, good servant, because you have been faithful in a very little you shall have authority over ten cities. And the second came, saying, Lord, your mina has made five minas. And he said to him, And you are to be over five cities. Then another came, saying, Lord, here is your mina, which I kept laid away in a handkerchief, for I was afraid of you, because you are a severe man. You take what you did not deposit, and you reap what you did not sow. And he said to him, I will condemn you with your own words, you wicked servant. You knew that I was a severe man, taking what I did not deposit and reaping what I did not sow. Why then did you not put your money in the bank? And at my coming, I might have collected it with interest. And he said to those who stood by, Take the mina from him and give it to the one who has the ten minas. And they said to him, Lord, he has ten minas. I tell you that everyone who has more will be given. But from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. But as far as these enemies of mine, who did not want me to reign over them, bring them here, slaughter them before me. It's quite an intense ending to that parable, isn't it? Let's go, let's go back up, and I want to I focus a little bit more up in, in the, the middle or the heart of this, this parable here uh, to, for, for a few minutes. And I want to go back now. Uh, let's speed back into the Old Testament again and look at Joseph for just a little bit here this morning, and I want to pick up. We left off with Joseph in prison uh, last Sunday. Pastor Dave did an excellent job of sharing with you how uh, important it is to to be a witness and and to be a light on your job and and, and so forth. Um, I want to just pick up there in that prison place, all right, uh, and look at at, at Joseph. Uh, you know, from a very young age, Joseph believed that that God had destined him uh, for greatness, 
you know, that was in his heart. That was something that we saw uh, in, his, in his dreams. And in, in his dreams, God uh, seemingly assured Joseph that he would rise to position, uh, uh, especially a position of leadership or position of authority. And, and from Joseph's point of view, I believe that uh, these dreams were, were the evidence, or they were evident to him, it was evident to him that, that these were divine blessings. These were, these were speaking out to him. These were, were calling out to him. They were confirming to him and affirming to him that he would be rising up into some type of leadership or some type of authority. Um, and he saw it as very much divine blessing, not just his own ambition. He wasn't just a young man who was saying, I'm just going to buckle down, work hard and get it done. And I'm going to make something of myself and I'm going to be my own man and my own God, so to speak. But he really seems to have this he seems to have a couple of things going on here. Actually, he seems to have this, this sense that God is divinely involved in, in his upcoming, in his upbringing, if you will, and his shaping and his formation. He sees, he sees the hand of God at a very, very young and sensitive age. But there's also this element of dreams throughout the life of Joseph. He seems to have this sort of gift if you will, to, to dream and to acknowledge God's voice in the dreams and to see God's hand through the dreams and to give interpretation of those dreams. He is not trained in this type of thing here. He's just a little boy, but already he is sensing that through dreams God is speaking and this is an avenue that God is using to communicate with Joseph at an early age and prep him for things that are coming, all right? Uh, so now we have seen Joseph and, and some of the trials and the tribulations and the adversities and the challenges and the opportunities and so forth that gets him all the way into the house of Potiphar. And then there we see this dramatic and intense situation that happens that is one of temptation, one of resistance, and then one of accusation, and then one of being imprisoned uh, when he did the right thing, when he did the most noble and the very best Thing, he still suffered, uh, in, in a sense, and, and finds himself in prison here, okay? So Joseph's service here in prison, I think, is, is, is marked by several things. One is that the Lord's presence is with him. Once again, we see him. He's, he's down again, uh, but God is blessing him. God is, is touching his life in a, in, a, in, a, in a very real and very uh, genuine, intentional uh, uh, way here, all right? He receives the favor of the jailer here because he is a man of integrity and he is doing the right things and he is dependable and he is reliable. Uh, he is getting favor from the jailer here. Um, and then we see, obviously, this sort of dynamic that's going on here in the jail where Joseph is being promoted again into leadership. It's like he gets up there and then he gets knocked down. He gets up there, he gets knocked down, and here he is coming up again inside of this very different system. The system inside of the prison, I guarantee you, is horribly, uh, traumatically different than the, the dynamics inside the house of Potiphar. All right? And so, so we see a young man that is really knocked down here, but he is resilient spiritually here and, and with integrity and with, with, with a sense of responsibility. And so he comes back up again, all right? And so he meets two of Pharaoh's officers, and I'm going to try to get through some of this pretty quickly here for you. But he meets two of the officers who were incarcerated, and that is the, the chief cupbearer and the chief baker. They ended up in, in prison. Um, if, if, People, uh, historians, writers tell us that, that many Egyptian texts 
mention the role of the cupbearer or the one who was the tester uh, for, for the wine, if you will, not only to detect uh, if there was poison or not, but also the quality of it as well, because obviously Pharaoh would be the one who would get the best of, of everything, all right? And so these individuals enjoyed a certain proximity to uh, those who were leaders, in, in particular these two, Pharaoh. I mean, you can't get any closer proximity to the top than to be the cupbearer or the baker for Pharaoh, all right? So, so they, these, these individuals, uh, historical text uh, tells us and indicates that, that they were oftentimes confidants. You know, they were confidants to, to the leader. They were, they were trusted, and so they would hear things, and they would know things. And sometimes they were even asked for advice, uh, from those particular leaders. All right, we see this in Nehemiah as well. Nehemiah was the cupbearer to the king and, and was released to go and, and to build, rebuild the walls. All right, so, so there was, there was a, a great deal of access to those who were uh, in charge or in control of things. And in this case, it's the top dog, if you will. All right, so Joseph did some, some work, if you will, of interpreting dreams. And this was actually a, like a career uh, category in Egypt in the day. There were people who were dream interpreters, all right, and they schooled in it, and they were educated in it, and there were books about it, and so they actually did this sort of as their profession, all right, but, but Joseph is, is operating off of, of, of a different kind of dynamic here, all right, so, so he's not looking at this as a sophisticated type of profession that involves like this, this technical dreaming, interpreting kind, kind of thing here, okay, um, but he does interpret dreams for the cupbearer and, uh, and for the baker, uh, and those dreams come true. Uh, and, and he is obviously, you know, careful to give God credit for that, all right? Uh, but, but not having been schooled, he understood his dependence on his God for this, all right? Uh, and so someone on the outside just hearing him interpret these dreams and seeing them come true could interpret that, ah, he is one of these who is schooled. He is one of these who is, is gifted that way in interpreting dreams. But Joseph, however, is not schooled in the tradition. He, so he credits God with providing these interpretations that eventually do prove true, all right? They, they do come true. And in this case, there's the cupbearer who is restored to his former post um, and, and he goes back, he's out of the prison now, and he's back in his position. And of course, in the place of ease, he immediately forgets about Joseph. All right, so he has, has no further uh, recollection of Joseph at that point, okay? Now, let me at this point kind of bring in a, what I want to be one of the key thoughts for you this morning, and that is this, and that is that our trust is in the faithfulness of God and not in the faithfulness of men. Men will let you down. Men will forget about you. Men will overlook you. Men will prefer someone else. I'm saying men, but men and women as, as well. In the workplace, you will see these sorts of things happen. And you may give yourself diligently, and you may prove yourself faithful, and you may be there spot on in your work, in your career, but you can be overlooked very easily. And so the importance for you and I as Christians is not that we are depending on the faithfulness or the promise of someone else. How many of you have ever been promised something by another human being only to have that promise broken? Yeah, yeah, 
It, it happens. It happens. And it happens in your career endeavors, all right? It will happen. Uh, you will be promised many things over the years. And I'm not trying to di- diminish your passion or your zeal or your confidence in, in your particular organization that you're working for or your profession or whatever. Uh, I want you to just understand that there's a dynamic that we accept, that we understand as Christians, and that is that the world doesn't operate like we do. And people are not faithful, even in the church, okay? And in church structures, the, these things go on, okay? So, so we, we have this situation where Joseph is immediately forgotten, all right? And so he's, he's out of the picture, and this man is back to living the same way that he was, even though there had been sort of this sort of, you know, promise or this hope uh, that well, once he gets out and he goes back and talks to Pharaoh, I'm going to, I'm going to be able to get out and, and, and my life will be better. No, Joseph is still there. So Joseph is, is stuck, if you will, in this place. But Joseph's trust and his faithfulness is not in this cupbearer. It is in his God. All right? And I want you to be able to see what, what that dynamic does for him. All right? Because, because these, these, these di- dynamics that we're talking about here, they present this story in such a way that we see that these are things that are still present today. All right? We invest in the success of another. They rise beyond us, and, uh, and they go on, and uh, they sort of discard us and, and set us aside or, or drop us or whatever. Uh, but this does not mean that our work has been in vain. This doesn't mean that, that, that our, our work is of no value or it is nothing, all right? Or, or it doesn't even mean that we would have been better off to focus on our own position or our own promotion. And, and in the kingdom, there's a different dynamic that is constantly going on. And this is it. And it is that, first of all, you prove faithful. Because God is faithful. And so, our goal is not our success. It is our faithfulness. All right? So, we live in the place of being faithful. We be faithful in, in what we call our spiritual works and our spiritual disciplines and efforts, yes. But, but what we've been trying to teach you in this series is that we don't separate those from our secular responsibilities and our job. They mesh together. We carry them together, if you will. And so we prove faithful at work because that is God's will for us, to be faithful there and to be like Jesus there. And, and as Nathan brought out early on, uh, at, as we were closing out the, the, the former series, is that we spend a lot of time there. And that is our responsibility to use that time equally as wise as we do the time that we are in church, all right? So we're just not full of integrity and honesty and compassion and mercy and love and joy and peace and all those things in the house. It's actually even more essential and more right for us to be so outside of the house. All right? And so we prove ourselves faithful to God in that place. All right? So it is really important that, that we do this. Um, we may have doubts about how uh, our investment uh, in others may eventually benefit. Uh, but you know what? That's really not the place for us to go. The thing is, is that we take what God has given to us and what God has entrusted to us, and we prove faithful in that. And, and what I want you to understand is that sometimes what God gives you is another person. Another person. 
He'll ask you to be faithful on the job. He'll ask you to be faithful to, to whatever you are doing. That may be in a manufacturing situation where you're actually creating something or making something or assembling something. Uh, it may not be quite as tangible as that. You may be a, a teacher and you are teaching little children in some way or you're helping children in some capacity. Uh, you may be uh, uh, self-employed and you have a, a job where you are like an electrician, like, like PJ or something like that. And or you may be a banker in a bank, as some of our ladies testified early on in our series. There may be, there's all kinds of things that you may be doing. But the key is that we're not looking at that investment that we're making, either in that corporation or in an individual in that corporation, or just an individual that God has caused our lives to intersect with, with the intent of how is that going to benefit me? But the key is that what is it that God has for me to give to this person? You know, and that's where we live. That, that's, where we, that's how we breathe. You know, that, that isn't something we have to sort of like figure out. It's just that's the natural sort of in and out flow of our lives is that we are pouring out into other people. We may disapprove of what they do afterwards. We may not like how they end up. But we're going to talk a little bit more about that in, in a minute here. But what we do is we take advantage of the opportunity. Galatians chapter 6, verse 10, the Apostle Paul writes, and he says, Whenever you have an opportunity, let us work for the good of all. Not for the good of yourself, but for the good of all. Let's, let's do this in a more corporate sense. So what I'm doing, I'm not doing for just one person. I'm certainly not doing it just for myself, but I'm doing it for the good of all. It is to benefit everyone. All right? Now, there are, there are uh, perks to that sort of stuff that can happen. They may not happen, but they, they can happen. When, when Pastor Dave came on board in this church, um, I was the pastor of Life Church, and then someone introduced us and, uh, and, and we met together and talked. And when we talked at a coffee shop, um, a little bit, it's amazing what God does in coffee shops. It is just absolutely unbelievable, all right? I mean, if you're really not feeling the presence of God, just go over to Black Sheep and sit for a few minutes and just bask in the presence of the Lord, all right? And amazing things can happen. God spoke to my heart. Now, I don't hear God audibly. I've never heard God audibly, but God spoke to my heart. There was such an impression there, and it was like, I, I can't get away from this. I, if, I don't, if I don't, like, respond out of God here, I'm going to miss something, and I'm going to leave here really feeling bad, and I don't want to do that. And, and I said to him, I said, David, um, I think I'm supposed to mentor you, and, uh, and I, I think that we're, we, we should work together. Um, and, and so a little later, I teased him. I came back a, a, a few days later after I had talked to, to some of the elders and different things, you know. And I said, hey, David, I, I, I like you. You're a nice guy. Uh, let me hire you. And he's like, he's like well, what am I going to do? <laughs> you know? and, 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 but, and I said, well, we need youth ministry, but I, I, I think I'm supposed to do this. It doesn't matter whether I like you, really. It isn't a matter of how gifted you might be. I really didn't know how gifted he was. It's like, I'm hearing God here, and I need to respond to God here, not just respond to you as a young man. But I said, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to commit to you. I'm going to mentor you, and I, and I will pour into you. And uh, here's what I'm going to do. I'm never going to let you fall. If you come on board with me, I'll never let you fall. 
I, I will be there for you, and I will help you in every way that I can, and I will mentor you uh, in, in your role in Life Church as a pastor. All right? I'll be there for you. All right? And he said yes, and he came on, on board. You know? But here's the thing. See, I can't, and I didn't understand this clearly at the time. I, I, I understand some things. I understood some things at the time. And one was that I had to be obedient to God here. I, I wasn't skilled in mentoring. And I wasn't even sure I bought into it. Uh, it was kind of a, an emerging thing, you know, in the church. And so I, I, uh, I wasn't sure where that was going to go. All I realized is, God, this is going to cost me. This is going to cost me. To do this will cost me time and energy. And I'm not sure that I have that time and energy because I don't know this guy. And God's saying, this, this young man you are supposed to mentor. And so we went into this relationship together, and, and this relationship has grown. And many of you who have been in this church for a long time know how this relationship has grown over the years. And he has become a wonderful, wonderful pastor in Life Church, and far beyond being a youth pastor. And he is a far better preacher, in my estimation, than I am. I, I, would, rather, I would certainly rather listen to him than me, personally, okay? All right? So, so I, just, I, just, I, love, I enjoy the way he unpacks passages of scripture. I just really, really enjoy that. Now, here's the perk for me. Where David is in ministry and life church right now, my life is easier today. That is a benefit to me, all right? And, and I need to, to appreciate that blessing that I have, but that was not a factor in the choice. The motive had to be that this is what God is saying to do. If I were looking for someone to make my life easier, I may not have chosen David. He was a college student at USF, for crying out loud. <laughs> Logic wouldn't tell me that he would make my life easier. All right? Okay? You following what I'm saying? All right? But my life today is much easier due to the investment that has been made in this young man. But here's the key, and here's the important thing, and I, this is what I didn't get. Life church, the body of Christ is blessed today more because of Dave Sinkgraven saying yes to God and saying, I close all the other doors and I choose to be a pastor and I'm going to pastor the people of God that he's entrusted to me. And he takes that so very seriously. But see, the goal is the common good of all, not one individual. And he is proving faithful. And he proved faithful to being mentored and, and, and submitting to the mentoring process. But then he proved faithful to the youth group that God entrusted to him and grew under his leadership. And then he has proven faithful in other capacities in life church, including the study of the word and the preaching of the gospel. And God is continuing to bless him as he goes forward. Has he had adversity? Absolutely. Has he seen difficulty? Oh, yes. Have there been frustrations along the way? Absolutely. But he has been faithful. He has stayed faithful to what God has called him to do. And so we see Joseph here in this promotion, if you will. Uh, a couple of years passed, and Joseph gains this opportunity to be released from this misery of his in, in prison. Um, 
Pharaoh has begun to have these disturbing dreams now. And when these dreams start to disturb Pharaoh and he starts talking and, and sort of confiding in his cupbearer, and, you know, he's probably saying, man, I got these strange, horrific kind of dreams going on, and they're so vivid and colorful in my mind, and they're disturbing me, and I don't know what to do with them, and nobody has an answer for me. Nobody can interpret them. All of these people who are supposed to interpret dreams that are in my, my uh, uh, palace, they're not able to do that. I don't know what to do. And about that time, it's like, ding! And the cupbearer goes, oh, I know. I know someone. Pharaoh, there's this guy down in prison and he interpreted my dream and it came true. Go get him. Bring him here. Now. <laughs> and, and, and Joseph comes in and, and Joseph does this amazing thing, all right? Because Pharaoh's having these dreams about these cows and these stalks and, and of grain and the, he's all befuddled and all of his counselors are as well. And Joseph here in this passage, he testifies of something, not of his own ability. He doesn't say, yeah, I got it. Yeah, yeah, I, I do that. Yeah, I'm a dream interpreter. You know, I'm your man. Joseph testifies of God's ability to provide interpretation. And he puts his role properly where it belongs. And he's, he's basically saying, I'm the mediator of the revelation. I'm the one who says what God is saying. That's all I am. I'm simply a voice. I'm, I'm an instrument of God. All right? And this is so beautiful because you know what? Sometimes, and I, and I want to I challenge us on this, is sometimes we try to get so spiritually high-minded and, and, and into our, ourselves. And we want to take this sort of really hyper-spiritual intimacy that we have with God. Nothing wrong with that now. But we try to take it to our workplace and we try to be this like really spiritual person and use all of these terms. And, and Joseph didn't even use the same name for God that he used with his covenant people, Israel. And, he, and don't you know he had to be careful because Pharaoh, Pharaoh sees himself as a God. And so there's all this stuff going on. And he says, wait a minute, my, Pharaoh, Pharaoh who makes yourself God, my God? Not like this grandiose stuff and getting all hyper-spiritual on him. He just says, hey, my God, interprets dreams. He'll, he'll give the revelation to me and I'll speak it to you. And you know what? Pharaoh appreciated that. Even to the point that Pharaoh, read it, Pharaoh in turn gave credit to Joseph's God. Joseph's God gave the interpretation for the dream. And this opened the doors. This faithfulness. I, I, I have to wonder what Joseph's uh, emotions were like in all of this. You know, he's coming up. Okay, I got to come up out of prison now. All right, and I'm gonna have to get my hopes up again that I'm free, you know. But here's the thing: I'm going back into a a, a, a very, uh, you know, like threatening kind of dynamic here. This is Pharaoh. This is the God of Egypt, and 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 our 
Potiphar, his guy, already put me back in prison. I got wrongly accused there. Now they want me to interpret a dream. This cupbearer who forgot about me is now telling him that, that I can, can, can do the dream. Now, I know God can, do, can interpret this dream. I know God can do this. But what is going to happen to me now? What, is this just another one of those things where I'm just going to go up there and be cut back down? I'm going to tell you what our makeup is, especially Americans. Kick me down once, I'll get back up and try again. Kick me down twice, well, shame on you, you're a bad person. Kick me down three times, sh- shame on me. If I have anything else to do with you, I'm done. We're out of here. I'm not going to do this. I'm not, I'm not going to stay in this job. I'm not going to stay in this place. I'm not going to keep taking this from you. I don't deserve this. I don't need this. I don't have to put up with this. I don't have to go there. No, I quit. Americans are the greatest quitters in the world. I'll tell you what, if there wasn't so much opportunity in America, we wouldn't be so quick to quit. We might be quicker to say, okay, God, where are you? What are you doing? Where am I? What do I need to do? God does not want that GPS imagery that we talked about at the beginning on the phone. God doesn't want that place marked on your map to be a red pin. A red pin will say where you want to be. Siri, what are the best restaurants in Chicago? Jing, 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 jing. Red pins. Oh, I want this one. Siri, how do I get here? That's where I want to go. That's where I want to be. And the red pin may indicate where you should be. But the blue dot, the pulsing blue dot, is always going to tell you where you are. And where you need to be is where God has you or wants you to be or places you. That's, where you, that's the best place in the world for you to be. It might not sound great. Prison doesn't sound great to me. A cistern in a desert doesn't sound great to me. All right? But this is the place where God wants you to be. And you need to be right there. Because that's in the center. That's in the heart of his will for your life. So Joseph does the dream thing. And he, he makes this confession. Here's another key point I want, I want you to understand. Maintain humility by confession. You've got to be able to say, you know what? I cannot do what God can do. And then give God the credit. All right? When, when we, like Joseph, confess our inability to meet a challenge, when we, when we, when we face that and we find ways to, to appropriately give God the, the, the attribute, you know, the, 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 the praise, the, the worthiness for his, for his attributes, uh, give Him the, the glory for the success and all of that, uh, it, it does something inside of us, folks, especially on certain types or in certain types of situations. And that is when nobody would know the difference if you took the credit. Who in Egypt would have cared that this God, Elohim, gave the revelation? Pharaoh just wanted to understand. And once he understood, he just wanted the strategy for handling it, dealing with it. And God gave all this to Joseph. Don't you know Joseph could have said, Hey, I am your man. 
I am it. I am the one. In a sense, they tried to make him the one. They put the ring on his finger. They gave him the right kind of clothing. They brought him in a wife from a different culture than his own. They tried every way possible to remove the wrappings and the identity of who he really was as his God's son and give him this greater identity that he could flourish in and grow in and pride could just rule in. And even though he had those things, he could honestly look at Pharaoh and say, it's not me, it is my God. But my God will save. My God will come through. My God will give us what we need. And so I am not dependent on this office. I am not dependent on a series of events that seemingly fall into place. But I am dependent on God. And I give him glory for the success that is in my life. Folks, when you do that, you will be proving faithful in whatever place you are in. And there was a lot of preparation for Joseph to get this promotion. And he handled these situations repeatedly over and over again, faithful and consistently, the way that God would want him to do that. And I'm telling you this, repeatedly giving God credit is not only the right thing to do, but it helps us to stay in the right perspective in terms of our own relationship with God. Joseph was 17 years old when his brother sold him into slavery in Genesis 37. And in this final release from captivity and into the house of Pharaoh, he was 30 years old. 13 long years of ups and downs. Being faithful, staying a good steward. Humble before God, not murmuring, not complaining about situations and circumstances. And so Joseph then is able to relieve this poverty that is coming on Egypt and help them get through one of the greatest adversities, nationally speaking, that they would ever encounter. And then we come to the place where Joseph then deals with his brothers. And this, this gets us to that most beautiful place, if you will, in this passage. And that is that of complete forgiveness and total redemption. And Joseph, Joseph is very shrewd. And we could, we, could, we could have a whole message about shrewdness because the devil is talked about as being shrewd, but also we are identified as being shrewd too. And, and I know there, there are a few ethical issues here uh, in this story of Joseph, I mean, he sold people into slavery for crying out loud. There's, you know, th- there's some things here that we have to look at and we have to really examine and break down. And maybe at some point down the road, we can do that, okay? Uh, but, but for where we want to land today and where we want to get to here, I want you to understand that, that David used um, his abilities and his gifts and he, he was very shrewd in a number of things he did, like deal with his brothers. And some of that seems quite underhanded and deceptive, uh, but it was very important for him to, to figure out where they really were, where their heart was, and if there had been any change in them before he could go forward with them. But in the end, he said to them, you meant it for harm. And I think that's just profoundly amazing. Folks, 
You don't have to deny when you've been hurt. You don't have to deny when you've been wronged on your job or in a career. You don't have to deny when you've been overlooked for a promotion. The key isn't, isn't whether you acknowledge it or, or live in denial of it. The key is how you handle it once you realize it. And the key for all of us in whatever career path we are choosing is that we are faithful to God and that we live out of the Spirit and not out of the flesh. And consistently, Joseph could do this. Not only to... Folks, he... The, the table had been turned in the early years when he was a little boy and dreaming and boasting of these dreams with his brothers and they became jealous and irritated to the point that they were willing to kill him. He was a vulnerable little child and he was at the mercy of power and false motives and impure hearts and he was the subject of that, the victim, if you will, of that. I never hear or see or it's never implied in this story in Genesis that Joseph ever saw himself as a victim. Never. But rather he saw every situation as one of his opportunity to be faithful in where he was placed. And so now we see him and the table is turned and he is the person of highest authority, second in command over Egypt, and his brothers are right there in the land of his authority. And he's looking at them. He's a man, folks. He's a, he's a man. He's a strong man. I cannot believe that he did not have a thought. Oh, look at that. I have the power to revenge myself. I have the ability to prove myself right here and take them out. I want them to know what it's like to be in a cistern in the desert. I want them to know what it's like to be in a prison. I want them to know what it's like to have someone over them with power to just destroy their future. Not once did he move in that kind of spirit. But he consistently, I mean, basically he's saying to his brothers, hey, you don't need to worry. I mean, the revelation came to them finally. Oh my God, it's Joseph. He's alive. Hey, don't worry, fellas. Oh, you meant it for harm. He didn't take the responsibility off of them. And he didn't deny that he had been hurt. But he said, that's what you meant it for. But I'm going to tell you what God is all about. He meant it for good. And I'm going to take care of you. You know what he says? He doesn't just say, I'm going to take care of you. I'm going to take care of you. And I'm going to take care of all those little ones. I'll take care of everybody. That's so Jesus. That's so cross. That's so redemption. That's so resurrection. That's so restoration. That's it. And that's what you are. In your marketplace world, in your position that you are in, you are Jesus. You are cross. You are resurrection. You are restoration. And that's where we live. Why? Because when we prove faithful in the small things, He will give us greater opportunity to be even more effective. And the goal is not for myself. 
It is not for the other person even, but it's for the good of the whole. I don't preach to you to benefit me. And I hope you understand that. And I don't even preach just to benefit one of you. Thank God the Holy Spirit speaks to all of you corporately when I preach a message. But I, 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 my ministry, my, my understanding of my ministry is it is to the whole. And so every decision I make must be out of that responsibility and that call to the whole. And that is for you and I both. We are called to work for the good of mankind that God might be glorified through our calling and our efforts as we prove faithful in the place we are. Amen? Amen. Here's the thing. I just, I just tried to give it to you, and I want to close with it. I want to just come right back to it and open it right back up here. It is, it is all about the cross. And if you've not lived this way to this point, you're thinking, well, I, I, didn't, I didn't understand or I didn't know or I, I, don't, I, I don't even know how now to live like that, to, to live redemptive, to live, to live out of the cross and work out of the cross, then Jesus is here for you today because Jesus has done the work of the cross and he lives out of that work to redeem you today. And so he's here and he's available and we have people who are going to pray or be available to pray for you up here for, for your salvation, for you to come into this knowledge and understanding of Christ in lordship and, and to give you life. And so if you don't have that, we want that for you. We want that for you just because Jesus loves you, but we want that for you so that in your career you can have success and, and, and hope and, and life and you can be effective, and you can give to others. It's a wonderful life. And so we'd ask you to come and receive Christ today. But if you've known Him, but you've like, I've been barren, I've, I've hoarded, I've, I've, I've kept to myself, I haven't been faithful in the little thing, and I just want to confess it to somebody, and I want, to, I want someone to pray with me, then people will be here to pray for you. So you're invited to come. Amen. Let me pray for you. And then those who are prepared to go and your heart is clear, you may leave. The rest of you, you can stay and sit and pray for a few moments or you can find one of these who will be standing up here after I pray and they will pray with you. God bless you. Father, oh, we want so much to be able to be faithful. We want so much to give our lives to you and let you just use us for your glory. God, help us to be workers. And we don't want to be victims of this earth, Lord. We want to be strong. We want to be faithful. We want to, we want to live out of courage and hope and fullness. Would you cause our lives to flourish? Would you make us people of the Spirit? God, we want our roots to go deep. We want to be unshakable and unmovable in you. So help us today. Prepare our hearts right now for whatever work you need to do in us. And then, Holy Spirit, come and do it. To the glory of God. 
In Jesus' name we pray.